0: So Jeff, can you uh can you still see us even though you're not on using video?
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. That's kind of a mean thing to say, Jeff. <laughs> I like Jared his his
2: demeanor completely changes once we start recording.
0: Oh, immediately. Like when he knows like it c- might get might get put out there. Yeah. Hundred percent changes. <laughs> Man, Jeff, that E H Taylor single barrel, the nose is good, but the finish, whew, that's good. But we is it as that. good as the uh,
2: early times?
0: Uh, yeah, it's yes. It, early times, it is blown out of the water by the. They're both they're both bottled and bond. So what is both it? 100 proof. Say it again. E H Taylor single barrel. So okay. they, so they bottle one single barrel. So you right, get, yeah. you'll get like a, well, this one's proof down to a hundred proof. So they probably get, I don't know, around 180 to 200 bottles out of this one barrel. So when you buy like a single barrel, it's all, it's kind of like the, the thing of a single barrel is it's always kind of like, it's a little bit of a crapshoot in what it's going to, like it can be very inconsistent from bottle to bottle as far as like, if it comes from a different barrel. Or something like early times is is a batch product it's a so huge batches so you can go by early times and basically for that year they're going to make an, a big enough batch that it's all the exact same it's all mixed together for like a year or two years and it's going to be the exact same thing
1: more consistent
0: yeah but the EH Taylor is the the EH Taylor single barrel is like a premium like that's one of their premium brands so they're they're going through and picking specific barrels okay We're going to make this a single barrel because this is a great product. And so they'll use it for that.
3: Hmm.
0: So it's it's really good.
2: What's the uh, price tag on something like that?
0: Uh, Retail on on E.H. Taylor single barrel is like, I don't know, like 75.
2: Okay. I mean, I was pushing it, but if I see it, I might get some.
0: You, I mean, unless you're like, you won't see it. I mean, maybe you will, but most likely you won't, unless you've got okay. connections. Wow. It's it's hard to find. I but it's still I haven't, that cheap retail? It depends on the store. So, alcohol is not really, like, it's not regulated as far as prices. So, you could go into a store and you might see it, like, the one store might try to be selling it for 500 bucks. And then you go to another store and they're selling it for actual retail, and it's like, 60 bucks, which I think actual retail and it's like 60 bucks.
3: Hmm.
2: That's
0: crazy. So like, you never know, like what you're, what it just depends on the store. Like I've got it. I haven't, I've never seen one in Texas. Um, I got these Bob Crow got them for me out of Colorado. Um, one is actually a store pick from one of his local stores. So what they do with that is they go in and a store will get to select a barrel. So they'll send them several samples from several different barrels And that store will say, I I like this one. And they'll send them all the bottles from that barrel. Hmm.
3: Ah, So they
0: got, I think they got, I don't know how many they got from this, 185 or something bottles. And I think it sold out in like three days. So
2: a store like that, is that like a, a specialty
0: like bourbon store or something like that? No, it's, I mean, it's a liquor store just like you have, but it's just, it's a really like it's a really nice one. It's a big one, uh, and Grand Junction is a distribution center for liquor. Um, so they so they get quite a bit in, but Grand Junction isn't. I feel bad like putting this out there, but I guess we're not that popular. Um, but like so like like Dallas is is probably your distributor for where your alcohol comes from. I know it is for me. So like so basically dallas gets all the stuff they want and then amarillo might get some leftovers of stuff hmm. um, whereas grand junction is basically the same population as like that valley area is very similar to amarillo in population size but they're a distribution center for uh for spirits and alcohol and stuff like that hmm.
3: okay
0: So it's really kind of, it's just kind of weird. And it's weird. Some parts of the country get stuff that other parts of the country don't get. Um, You know, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird how liquor gets distributed around places and its availability and, and whatnot.
1: It's probably like a lot of things too. If you have a liquor store, the owner, manager, whoever's buying it is really, really likes bourbon. He probably makes sure they get a lot better stuff.
0: Yeah, if they can, Um, you know, and even even then it's still like because bourbon, bourbon last. I don't I'm not sure when it started, but, f- you know, five or seven years ago, like bourbon really got like its popularity just went through the roof. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could any of like the what we now consider like super elite high grade bourbon, you could have just walked in and bought. And nowadays, like it's it's virtually impossible to buy um unless you have connections like you actually you can buy it on secondary and pay stupid prices eight nine hundred dollars for it um but to buy it at retail you have to like create connections with stores like go in frequently buy lots of stuff from them and get to where they know you and they want to sell you a specific bottle um and then they have to get it like my amarillo doesn't get much so my selections are pretty pretty low here man amarillo doesn't get bourbon or internet that's terrible. It's tough. Stuff. Apparently, we have better internet than Oklahoma, uh, or maybe we just buy better computers. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah,
1: Texas is better than Oklahoma at everything except for keeping their tigers pinned up.
0: True. Uh, Mm. Did y'all know? I mean, uh, there are more tigers. Sorry, and y'all are better at shooting. Okay, Um, sure. I'm sure there's lots of (laughs) lots of great shooters. (laughs) He's like, sure, okay, whatever. Who, who's not even gonna argue? Who's good from Oklahoma? <laughs> Mike
1: Seaglander's pretty good.
0: Just, just me, bro. Just yeah. me. is pretty good. He's the only one I've heard of, though. Oh, I don't think I've heard Stra- of anybody else. Phil Strider's from Oklahoma, isn't he? No,
2: he's not from Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, he was here for a while.
0: He he worked for USSA for like a couple years, um, but I don't think it was much longer than that. Yeah.
2: I don't even. Hey, I, he told I, I me. He told me. That.
0: That him and his wife, if they could move anywhere, they would move back to Oklahoma. Well, okay, yeah, he's living on the East Coast, so even from compared to the East Coast, even Oklahoma seems good. He said, anywhere, Jeremy he said, anywhere.
1: Maybe he was just being nice, Jeff.
2: He's
0: speechless, Jeremy. He's just speechless. <laughs> no, you're. <laughs> Your <laughs> your connection is so bad, we're getting like every other word, oh, so I'm trying to decipher what you're actually saying.
1: Oh, no. You're getting every word. He's just speaking in Oklahoman.
0: Oh, okay. Hey, did y'all know that there are more tigers in captivity in the world than there are tigers in the wild?
1: Yes. Has been I think there's actually time.
0: more tigers in captivity in America than there are it... in the wild.
1: That like, does not surprise me.
0: That's kind of crazy.
1: Quit mumbling and talk,
0: Jeff. What did you ask me a
2: question? Sorry, I don't.
0: I don't know, Jeff. No, are you? Is Jeff breaking up on your end, Sasquatch? Too. Yes. Okay, so he's, it's Jeff. He's, he's mumbling. Yeah. Um. All right. So, welcome to the Hit Factor podcast. If uh, if anybody showed up that uh, didn't know that what we were what we're talking about, um, hopefully y'all made it through that that long intro. We just wanted to you know sometimes you want to talk about bourbon. Uh, and tigers and how dumb Oklahoma is, but, uh, all right. So I haven't been on for a while. I've been, life's been crazy and I didn't have my internet was down and finally got it back up and running. But so I, d- I did go out and shoot. Uh, I've got an interesting topic that I, I hope that you guys just got to stick with me for a little bit. Okay. Like I'll get to a good point eventually, but hopefully Jared doesn't like shoot me through Jared's like, Like, oh no, how long are we going to be here? I don't think it's going to take that long. No.
1: But, so I I went out and shot. I knew we were going to be recording late tonight. I actually took a nap after work. Perfect. Jeez.
0: My two-year-old takes naps.
1: Well, we're probably a similar maturity level.
0: Yeah, probably. Probably so. Uh, So anyway, so I went out and shot. uh, And... Man, I really kind of reverted back to like old school training for me, like like really old school. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and basically all it was, like I just set up a simple like five or six round. It'd be like a five or six round drill. Like you got to hit like these three plates and maybe an open target and a partial target. And basically had to complete it three times in a row, no mistakes. So couldn't have a miss on steel. Uh, had to have alphas, that sort of thing and just do it until you do it three times in a row. Um, and then like I switched and did it, like I did it with, with a swinger and a partial, like it was like a 20 yard, swing 20 yard partial swinger, um, with a partial to shoot between the activator and the swinger and had to, had to shoot that and had to like the swinger just had to have hits on Brown. Cause like, it's a 20 yard partial swinger. Just, you just need hits on Brown. Um. And so, like, I did that and we worked our way through it. And, and like, it was – like, I actually really enjoyed it. And that type of training is – like, that's kind of like the type of training that you see a lot of times people say, don't do this. Like, this is bad training. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, And I call it old school because, like, that goes – like, that was how I – like, when I first started playing trumpet or first started doing anything, it was you couldn't do something unless you could do it three times in a row, five times in a row, ten times, whatever it was. You had to be able to do something several times in a row before you actually had could consider that you had built that skill. Um, And so, like I said, I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, And I think this is a little bit of a side, but the reason why I had fun doing it is because it felt like I was building skill. Like, it felt like it was skill building. And I think that's really kind of my biggest draw in the shooting is – figuring stuff out like like trying to get better at something Um, that's always been my draw into anything that i do i just want to try to get better at it and that kind of that type of training kind of brought me back to uh to that in shooting um so before i go on from there do you guys ever train or practice like that
1: i will occasionally but generally that's more like what my practice will look like leading up to a major match or something like weak up type thing
0: Yeah, where,
1: where I'm just trying to shoot and execute and I'm not accepting of mistakes, but it's not something that I do frequently. Like when I'm a long period of time between my next match, because I don't personally, I feel like that's something that'll boost your confidence and make you feel prepared and good going into something. But I think it's hard to get better if you're not pushing anything.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna, okay. Jeff, do you have a response to that?
2: What was the question? Sorry.
0: Okay. Jeff doesn't, Jeff's, Jeff's in la <laughs> la land. Uh, never mind.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> <Jeff> <laughs> think a four minute question and he's like,
0: what was I'm, the question?
1: Dude,
0: I'm, I'm jacking with the
2: connection and stuff. I'm barely hearing you guys. So,
0: okay. So, we will just act like Jeff's not here for now and hopefully he'll join us later. Uh, so I would, I'm gonna, I'll push back a little bit against that. And um, like the idea that you're not like that type of practice, you're not getting better. Um, I don't, I don't totally buy that because getting better can be meaning getting more consistent. Um, and I also don't buy that. You can't like that. You're not going to gain speed th- that you can't gain speed through that. Uh, I, I think there's, there's been a big question. I've somewhat been a proponent of myself though, that, that the only way to get faster in this sport is just shooting kind of like a madman making a bunch of mistakes and shoot to the wheels, fall off and then back that off a bit and then you'll get faster. Um, I think there's, I think there's, you can get faster that way, but uh, that's not necessarily always the only way to get faster. Um, But it, it brings about my, the real crux of, of why I wanted to kind of talk about this. And that's that I think sometimes uh, and I, I don't know how to quantify this, um, but sometimes like you're training and you say you've been training for one way for a long time and then you go take a class or you you alter that training or something and all of a sudden you make a big leap. And I think mentally we think, OK, that new thing, that new way of training is I've just been training wrong this whole time. And that new way of training is how I need to train all the time and that's how I'm gonna get better. Because when I made this leap, I switched to training like that. When in in reality, maybe the, the training that you did all the way up to that was what gave you a basis so that you had an ability to make an adjustment to, and that gave you a foundation to be able to, okay, I've shot slow my whole life with really good fundamentals. I've hit everything, I always hit everything. But I was just slow. So all of a sudden, I'm going to crank the speed up. Well, maybe those two, three years that you spent practicing fundamentals gave you the ability to speed everything up and still maintain those fundamentals. Does that make sense at all?
1: Yeah, but kind of what I mean, though, is if you don't, like talking about pushing the speed, if you don't do that, you don't know you can. So it kind of, in my eyes, pushing the speed is what unlocked that next level is because now you know you can do it. Now you know how fast you can do it. And you, you don't you don't know what that is or what it looks like until you do it, which is kind of comes back to why I say, leading up to a major, I, I like to shoot more like you were talking, because I just want to be comfortable. I want to know I can hit everything. I want to know that, like, if I called an alpha on that target, it's an alpha. Like, I just want to be comfortable shooting. And I'm not concerned with getting faster then. But if I'm trying to get faster, I'm going to be shooting to get faster. Like same thing. I'm going to shoot partial targets if I've had trouble on partial targets. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put a seven yard open target to work on partials. Same type of thing.
0: Yeah, but so I'm not necessarily talking about like okay, I need to do this to get faster. Like I'm not like I'm really talking more about the like the pedagogy of like learning to shoot and learning to get better. Um, and like so, like so, for instance, maybe maybe you're somebody that came into the sport. And, like, you just raged hard. Like, you were just super fast all the time, right? But you didn't hit anything. And then all of a sudden, you 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 swap your training up to where you're starting to shoot. Like, you shoot a bunch of dots. Uh, and you really start, like, you really bear down and you work on your fundamentals. And all of a sudden, like, your scores go through the roof. And you're still pretty darn fast. But now, all of a sudden, you're accurate, too. Um, so, maybe, you th- maybe you're in the mindset of, oh, well, I just need to... I just need to shoot dots all the time. That's the secret to being good at this sport. When no maybe you were good because you did shoot fast for a long time and then you had a small change.
1: Well, yeah, I remember too though, being good at the sport is being good at a lot of things. Yeah. So while shooting the dots might have helped you progress to that next level, it's a combination of all your skills that are there.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. So I mean I guess what I'm I don't think I don't think Jared's understanding what I'm saying, but that's okay. Um, maybe other people don't understand it either. But I I think for me, like I tend to like, okay, I had a I had a really bad nationals. Uh the last low cap nationals. They were they were terrible. Um, embarrassingly bad. And I had a certain training style leading up to it that it was different than I ever had because time constraints, ammo constraints, like I just had to do different. Um and so then right now my reaction to that training is to never train like that again. Like, I, that's just natural. Like, I just don't, I don't even, if I go to the range, I don't want to even think about trying to train like I did before that. But the real truth of it is, is that in that training, it was completely different than what I had done in the past. But there were some really good things, and I was seeing some really positive things in practice. Um, so I think maybe a, just throwing it out and going back to something different is, is maybe the wrong reaction. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say through this is that uh, say you have something performance-related in your shooting, good or bad, that your natural inclination might be to either go really hard at something new that you've done in training or completely avoid something new that you've done in training. Um, I think maybe that's not always the best approach. There may be value in what you were doing before that uh, that you don't need to totally abandon.
1: Yeah. Well, also go ahead, Jeff.
0: Okay. So
2: is this kind of like, uh, alluding to, to, uh, last year or the year before when, when JJ basically said he, he won those nationals and did so well because he changed his trigger press. Like, is this related to that?
0: Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that at all. Um, to be honest, I I hadn't okay. thought about that at all. Um, well, that's this,
2: that's what I thought of when you said this, uh, because it's like, like you you didn't win right. You didn't win two nationals in one year. This that was like the nine days of nationals, right? Where he won two of them, right? Yeah, close to winning yeah. the third one too. Yeah, and he was like second. Wasn't he like second place on the other one? I think yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so and then he he came out on. I don't know if he wrote an article or did an interview or where it was but he he talked about why he did so well was because he had worked on his trigger press basically and he went into it real deep like what he's been the technique he was using and all this and had some stories about shooting with rob latham and all kinds of stuff um but it was similar to this right it was like if you had nailed that trigger press the first year right you wouldn't have been this good, right? right. So it's it's been you know, the fifteen years of you hammering and being consistent and competing. And then you switched gears and you found a, a, something else you could tweak. And you know, it may have been maybe it was the icing on the cake for that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I anyway, mean, that's that's what I was thinking of when when you were kind of going through that, even just like the few words I was catching
0: yeah i mean that's I, I mean that's a decent uh like that's that's a a good thing to draw it's like okay jj may have felt and i'm not trying to put words in jj's mouth but maybe he felt like he found the secret sauce that year like because i mean he what? dominated at the, that. i was i mean that was one outside of eric gefell that was one of the most dominating performances we've ever seen um in yeah. our sport but um
1: you do to think the other side of that though like jj was already at that level i mean he had been what like second or third at a ton of nationals or world shoots and stuff like he was already at that level for him it might have legitimately been just that little bit extra pushed him over to where he could win it
0: yeah like he like he he may have felt like he found the secret sauce in that trigger press but the dude's footwork was still a plus plus like as good as there is in the sport probably uh his you know his his shooting was was yeah. not any different. His gun handling was was where it's always been. Um, but he found something that gave him confidence.
3: Yeah, well, right. I mean, yeah. even
1: if, even if switching something up a little bit in shooting caused him to shoot, you know, instead of fifty Charlies, he shot forty. Like that can be a huge difference at that level.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's winning and losing. That's very easily winning and losing, especially something like production where you're shooting minor. Um, you know, and, and this it kind of. We've we've got the bighorn match. I know you guys talked about that uh last podcast, but we've got the bighorn match coming up. And this is this is partially why like this is for me it's somewhat prescient because uh two years ago was the inaugural bighorn match. Um and like the match like the match itself was good, but for me it's probably like looking back on it, it's probably the best match I ever shot. Uh and that was like I was penalty free for the match. I shot super aggressive. Um, I was extremely competitive with the like the limited overall score shooting single stack major, um, and like for me, like that was a culmination of about I don't I don't really know how long. I had to really go back and try to try to look hard, but like of the like the new process of like really just pushing hard at matches, like just going for speed and and shooting aggressive and and not not being reserved at all um and that that match like everything came together really really well uh hmm. and so like I, I think at that point I was thinking in my training I need to just push I just need to I need to keep like I, I need to keep pushing like I have for the past year because that's what I really need to be doing. And I think I somewhat discounted everything I had done for the, I'm trying to do math, but like six, eight years before that, that was really probably setting up some really, really solid fundamentals that at that point allowed me to push and those fundamentals weren't breaking down.
1: Yeah. Well, that makes a lot more sense. It's kind of like you've done, you've done, you really hammered on one skill, basically. And then now you're doing something else. So you're probably reaping the benefits of that skill, but you're enforcing doing it with better fundamentals. Like you're, you know, you're, you're faster. Now you're making sure you hit everything. Right. Like, you know, whenever you train, do you guys ever say you're shooting kind of a standard exercise type drill? Like, uh, um, like distance changeup or something like, oh, sometimes when I'm shooting stuff like that, what I like to do is, I will shoot it just, like, cold and score it and see what it is. And then I will shoot it a couple times just trying to hammer it as fast as I can. Like, two or three times. Score it, paste it, reset it. And then I'll I'll go back and I'll shoot it just, like, all right, I'm going to shoot it guaranteeing, you know, alphas or close Charlies. Like, all, all in one practice session. And kind of my thought on that is why I do it is, I want to see like if you push yourself a little bit on the speed. I've almost always found that then when I come back and I settle in a little bit more, it's substantially faster than when I'm just shooting it like early on in practice. Like forcing yourself to go a little faster will then allow you to do it faster when you're shooting comfortably.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. I I totally agree with that. I mean, there's like there's all like. And virtually anything you go to, there's – you almost always practice above, faster, harder than what you're actually going to perform at. Um, yeah. That's always a thing. So that also kind of brings me back into a, a thing that I th- I think maybe has uh, – I think maybe has kind of gotten me in trouble and, and, you know, because you have basically reactive shooting versus predictive shooting, Right. Um, and most of what we do is like if you're going to be competitive, most of what you're going to do is predictive shooting.
1: Uh, I think explain predictive shooting. I don't know if everyone kind of really understands it.
0: Reactive shooting versus predictive shooting. So we'll do reactive first. So reactive shooting is you see your sights and you're reacting to what your sights doing. So you're you're not pulling the trigger on. On every single shot, you're reacting to your sights. Okay. So like you're you're shooting an alpha, even if it's a 10-year open target, you're shooting an alpha and you're waiting to to press the trigger the second time until you see that sight back in the alpha zone. So you're basically confirming every single shot. Um yeah. versus predictive shooting would be that okay, at 10 yards, an open target, you basically know I can shoot as hard, I can as long as I see the, the site come over there. And find the center for my first shot. Then I'm just going to bang the trigger twice, and I know that the the gun's going to come back down into the A zone. And so that's predict. You're predicting where the sight's going to come back for where you shoot your second shot. Now that doesn't necessarily predictive shooting doesn't necessarily mean you're running the fastest split. Like you're not necessarily mean you're running twelve splits on every single target. But predictive shooting at 25 yards might be a 25 or 30 split, right? Like so, it's. Go ahead,
1: Jordan. Uh, an important thing to think of too on predictive shooting is it's not that you, you're it's not that you're not still calling that shot especially on like a 20 yard target or 10 yard or 15 yard target or whatever but like you know what the gun's gonna do and you've already made the decision to shoot the second shot before it's actually all settled down and then you you can still see what is going on so and it, it's basically getting ri- in my view it's getting rid of that time between like oh, sight's settled, I'm going to shoot, pull the trigger. It's more like you've shot, you're you're pulling the trigger, and then you're you're seeing what the sights are still doing when the second shot breaks. So you know if it's a good shot or not. But you're saving Mm -hmm. that time of letting the gun all settle down more than necessary and everything.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's it's the same with the... Like, it's not just on second shots or follow-up shots. It's also on transitional shots. It's Mm -hmm. knowing... The like the gun's coming in, I know where it's gonna stop, I know where the shot's gonna break, and it's breaking the shot without confirming the side basically. But when you do break the shot, you know where that shot went. Like you exactly. saw where it went.
1: It's not just double tapping the target.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean it's not, but it is. Uh I mean like like so yeah. like like that's where the that's where the doubles drill came from, right? Like so it was the doubles drill is basically you're practicing predictive shooting so that you can make sure that your fundamentals are there so that you can shoot predictively and the sights going to come straight back down into the A zone or whatever your requirement, your, your aiming requirement is for that, for that drill. Sure. Um, and like, and I like, that's a hundred percent valid. And I think if you're going to compete at the highest level, you have to get to that point. Um, I think maybe for me, I got to where I was, trying to practice predictive shooting so much that my reactive shooting got way slower. Um, And so like Mm. it, it almost in practicing predictive shooting, this may sound weird. I almost got to where maybe I was seeing slower because I I stopped because I, I got to a point where I stopped seeing, it was just like, I'm just going to come over here and bang two shots, come over here, bang two shots. Um, And I'm not necessarily trying to look so much. Um, And where that where that gets, got me in trouble, uh, I think, um, you know, Jeff said, I don't know how many podcasts ago, um, I'm actually going to say that Jeff said something smart. I think his wife or Thea fed it to him. Thea's his little girl. She probably told him what to say.
2: Um, She's way smarter than me. So, there's yeah.
0: no doubt about that. Her, her vocabulary at two years old is already better than yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know he, he said if if people would just show up to a match and just shoot what they can do, uh, then then their match results are going to be a lot better oftentimes than if they're trying to do something something crazy. Uh, and I think I was practicing predictive shooting so much that I couldn't just go and shoot what I could do. It was It was almost mm-hmm. like I, I felt like I had to shoot everything, predictive shooting. Um. Yeah and i think there's a point where you're where you've got you got a nine round array you're shooting single stack major and you have to you have to hit three pieces of steel in that array well guess what you better not be shooting completely predictive shoot like that's a point where you need to be able to shoot reactively cuz you got to make sure that you're hitting those you know you can't miss them right um so i think there's some valid validity to practicing reactive shooting alongside predictive shooting
1: Well, kind of where we were talking earlier too. Like, so last year or so, you've been, you know, pushing on speed really hard. But did you ever, while you're pushing on speed, did you ever like stop and take a training day where you're just shooting? Like, you're not just pushing for speed, you're just shooting, you know, trying to make sure you're putting up good points.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, last year, my entire year was basically set aside to be a rotation. One day, I'm just pushing raw speed. I'm just pushing hard. The next day, I'm, just, I'm just trying to shoot alphas, Uh, so it was, it was just an alternation one day speed, one day alphas, one day speed, one day alpha. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I, I have consciously tried to, to work on, um, in blending the two. Um, I just wasn't successful with it, uh, here in recent, recent well,
1: times. I, I found for me, it, it works better for me if I'm like pushing on one thing for a couple weeks and then basically like, since nationals till now, like everything I've been doing is just like I'm pushing on speed, I want to go faster, like go faster, go faster. It's all I've been working on. And then next week, of my last couple of training sessions before I leave for Bighorn, like it'll just be I'll go out, I'll set up some targets, and I won't shoot the same thing over and over. I'll shoot like I'll shoot a run on this array of targets, and then I'll shoot it differently. But all my shooting will be shooting comfortably like shooting at a speed where I know every shot's an alpha or close Charlie. I like yeah. to kind of break it apart, you know, in a longer gap.
0: Yeah. Like, I've tried that. I've tried that in the past and I didn't find success in that. Um, like trying to like, you know, the last couple of practice sessions leading up to a big match, like, okay, that's when I'm really going to like really try to just hammer home really solid fundamentals, really try to like, Try not to miss anything. Try not, you know, try to have no makeups on steel. Try to do all that. Um, That I did not find any success doing that. Um, That that almost like I would actually more go the other way. Like the couple practice sessions before a major, I might just put up old targets that's just full of holes. Not pace a single one. Go as fast as I can and just try to see. Uh, Not not really like like try to try to be fundamentally as as fundamentally solid as I can but try to be as fast as i possibly can and not care what the results are um like that's that's more where i'm at right now it's kind of weird i mean we're opposite like yeah. that but
1: yeah and i mean i i feel like i should probably clarify too like i mean i'm trying to get faster but like when i'm shooting my local matches and stuff i'm still like i'm not pushing so far to where i have a ton of mistakes i'm just trying to push as close to like my hundred percent limit as possible. Like I'm just trying to get more comfortable shooting as close as possible to my limits. Yeah. To where I see what's going on. I'm still like, I'm not inducing, you know, shooting errors off of just trying to push speed, you know? And I've seen, I've seen good results off of it so far. Like, especially our, our Tuesday nights, uh, going for raw time has been helpful. Like, I'm obviously I'm trying to go for the fastest route time in the match, but I'm also <laughs> like, I'm still trying to shoot. Well, I'm just a little more accepting of dropping some Charlies.
2: Right. You're not, you're not going to join the 20 mics club, right?
0: No. Then you're not going that fast. Well, <laughs> I mean, Jeremy,
2: did you join the club? Did you join the 20 max club?
0: I don't know, bro. It would honestly, <laughs> I don't I think, think I, di- I don't, I don't think I did. If I, I shot twenty,
1: if I shot twenty mics on our three or four in, uh, stage indoor match, <laughs> yeah. that are generally around like twenty four round stages, I could. <laughs> be impressive. Just, I think I'd probably just stop shooting. I Think I'd probably just put the old
0: ten fifty out with the trash the next week. Yeah. Hey, don't don't think I didn't think about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that was we not a three stage it, match. We know.
2: We know you thought about it. Uh. It was Man, close. I think, uh, like kind of going back to your original topic, I think, uh, something that just has really become more apparent to me this year is that there is no secret sauce. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no one thing that you're going to do that if you pick that one thing up your first or second year that you're going to be like the best, right? Um, There's so much that goes into it. And yeah, some people that pick it up, uh, or shooting that is, they're really good at it really fast. But it's not because of one thing. Uh, It's because of a lot of things. It's because they're good at putting a lot of things together. And some people, and this goes across a lot of sports, you know, you'll see somebody be a contender or they'll be a top athlete and they just can't put it together, right? They can't put it all together, but they're a really good shooter for freaking five, ten years, and then one year, it comes together, and they, and it's not because they found the secret sauce, right? It's because they've been dialing in, they've, they've been honing their fundamentals, Um, they've been getting better and better and better for five, ten years, and now they are, The product of five to ten years of hard work
3: Um, and I think
2: that is that's what I think people don't see that like they think oh they found the one thing finally finally they're a good shooter because they found the one thing but it's not that it's that they've been working at this for years and years and years and it's come together now they're there now they've They've reached the the pinnacle, or maybe maybe started the, their pinnacle run of of peak performance. I don't know, but there's no secret sauce. There just isn't.
1: Well, it, that's more like stuff kind of clicks, like stuff they've been working on, kind of all comes together. And, and especially like you talk about people that have been a contender and then they win it. You know, when they've been a contender, they're they're winning it. Might be that they shot. You know that Delta that they were going to shoot became an alpha or something. It might be as simple as they just shot just a little bit better than they have been. And when you look at it from a thousand foot view, it looks like they got way better, but really they shot just a little bit better. And it could be as simple as their fundamentals were a little better this year, or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just, they're just on when they get there because their training's been good. They're just on, they know they're going to win and they do
0: heck in our sport, uh, they might win it one year because the people they were competing at just weren't as good. They might have actually had better matches in years when they didn't win. Um, like this is, I know I talk about golf fairly often, but uh, in uh the British Open, I can't remember what year it was. Um, Phil Mickelson shot a round, the round four, and his performance that year at the British Open was the fourth greatest performance at a major championship in like the past 25 years. Like in, in 25 years, there were only three people that would have beat him ever. And it just so happened that one of those times was playing that year. Like there was another guy that just went absolutely insane. And so, yeah, he didn't, he didn't win, but he had one of the all time greatest performances. And so I think that happens in our sport. Sometimes maybe you're, you have one of the best performances ever, and you just don't win because somebody just was unconscious, like just shot absolutely lights out, um, or maybe you win because everybody else was just not quite as good that year.
1: Yeah, you you were better at that match on those days. Yeah, I mean that that can certainly happen. Yeah, I mean especially like it, as tight as the race has been in some divisions, like. You know, shooting a Mike no shoot or something on a target, that might be the thing that pushes a guy from first place to second place. And you didn't make that mistake and you won. And it really, it it really can come about that much. And you think of like a partial target, like that could be a quarter inch low. Yeah. Might have pushed a guy to second place. Like he might have shot phenomenally otherwise. But the guy that was going to be second, you know, he shot just a little bit better
0: overall. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ben winning the 2017 world shoot. It was literally one shot separated him. And like if uh, Pavel, I think it was guys it was second, if he had shot one more alpha, one less Charlie, uh, he would yeah. have won. Um, less than a point. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's 600 round match. So over 600 rounds, literally, literally one shot. If Ben had shot one more, you know, if he had shot one more Charlie, he would have lost. Uh, heck. I, won, I mean, what was the production spread this year? Uh, it was less than 10 points, like six points or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, one shot on a popper that doesn't go down. But, I mean, literally one one mic, you know, one procedural, there it is. Uh, and that yeah. that's the difference. Um, even if you look at Mason, who came in third, he, he didn't necessarily look close. But, like, he... He went so crazy on the last stage that if he had connected, he would have won.
3: Yeah,
1: well, exactly. He he made a calculated risk to to push on that stage. Like he's not going to do any worse. Like yeah, he he pushed because it was it was either basically end up where you're already at or win the match.
0: Yeah, um, and so like so the, the margins are so close. I don't necessarily know, remember where this. The whole point of talking about how close these margins are. Jeff was saying something that might have been intelligent. I don't know. Dude, it,
2: it was so good what I was saying. Y'all just like Did we ruin it? it? Do you need to say it again? <laughs> no, my my point was there's no secret sauce or if there is, the secret sauce is consistency and putting in the work and being out there
0: uh yeah. for week after week. Yeah, I agree. Uh and I I think sometimes even the shooters them like like you you kind of use it in the reference of people outside thinking there's a secret sauce. I think sometimes the shooters themselves think there's a secret sauce too. Um oh, yeah. yeah,
2: that that's what I was talking about is people that are competing think, you know, they're looking for that secret sauce. They're looking for that next the next cue or, you know, the next training philosophy or the next drill or the next oh, I need to practice this this one little thing, you know, or the trigger pull. Freaking trigger pull. Um right. Yeah, there's just not, they're, in my opinion, you know, I am not a national champion, I'm not a world champion. In my opinion, there is not a secret sauce other than consistency and putting in the work.
1: No, you're wrong. See, there is a secret sauce. It's continually improving on whatever skills are currently deficient and getting a little bit better at everything.
2: The secret sauce is beating Jared three times in a row and destroying his soul.
1: But you didn't hurt my soul because I'm going to crush you a big one, like.
0: <laughs> so Jeff, have you have you gotten any training in? Yeah, I've been training. Good. Actual live fire.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wait, Jeff, how much live fire have you shot since nationals?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I probably like two. Hmm one or probably two practice actual practice sessions and then I've been shooting matches. So I I did out a, uh, a big a big snafu, a big fubar or whatever you want to call it. And I did this last year. I feel like such a freaking idiot. I missed the annual meeting for my gun club again. Oh, <laughs> so I can't go to the range this month. And but so I've just been shooting matches. So I shot a match like weekend before last. I shot a match this weekend. I'm shooting a match next weekend. And I'm just going to matches. Whatever match I can get to, I'm going to because I can't Jeff, actually up, go practice.
1: Come up on come up Friday night and come shoot my match with me Sunday. or Saturday, I mean.
2: I've got like two or three different matches that I could go shoot this coming weekend.
0: I like how Sasquatch literally every time we talk is like, hey, y'all come to me and make it convenient for me so that we can <laughs> hang out and shoot together. Damn yeah, that's straight. No lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, hey hold
1: on though. The the AC is not working correct in my car. I can't drive to Oklahoma.
0: Uh,
2: until I yeah. get it fixed. Well, come down here, I'll fix it for you.
1: And, uh no, I I I tried to fix it this weekend and like the whole dash has to come to part. Like, that's uh that's a this is going to the mechanic because I'm not fucking
0: with it.
2: Oh, uh, your evaporator's toast. Um, I feel
0: like Jeff like could fix that for you.
1: No, no. Uh it's a little actuator that changes what vents the air blows out of. So right now it only blows out of the defrost. But it's oh. like up inside the dash beside the instrument cluster, so the whole dash has to come apart. Like but it I still blows
2: it-, it still blows cold though?
1: Yeah. Oh, well you're uh. good.
2: What's wrong, man? No, it's
1: not that comfortable, man. The w- the air <laughs> conditioned seats and no air blowing straight on you. It's just not as comfortable <laughs> as it could be. Like your your butt's cold but your face is hot.
0: Have you tried hitting it?
1: Dude, you can't get to it.
0: Yeah, but if you hit it from the top, you'll get to it. <laughs> Dude, for a Neanderthal, you're awfully soft. Honestly, that's what, I that's just, exactly what I'm thinking. Good God. No.
1: <laughs> so, this morning, I emailed the service advisor that I work with at the local dealership. Uh, he's a guy that shoots with us. I was like, hey, what do you think this is going to cost to fix? And once he replies to me, like, I've already, like, Predetermined amount in my head. If it's if it's higher than that, I'm just gonna get a new car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why don't you uh, oh, buy I mean, a, a real car and get a truck next time?
1: Because I don't make that custom gun builder money, right? Mm-hmm. Well,
2: just get a Ford.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, your Ford, your Ford success was really high. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah, I I haven't been uh
2: haven't been able to train like I want to. I'm so pissed off, man. Like I freaking hate excuses. Uh Yeah, I just hate it. Especially them. So, when the
0: excuses I'm an idiot and I forgot. Uh
2: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um so I'm just I'm just working hard. I'm trying to stay focused. I'm shooting each match I shoot like it's the real deal. And I'm dry firing with a purpose. Trying out some new techniques and dry fire new new ideas. Uh, yeah, just, just putting... I'm putting in the work. It's just not the work that I wanted to put in. So that's where we're at.
1: So it uh, sounds like we had very opposite things. So after nationals, I basically took like two weeks off. Like I, I dry fired a couple times in that time. But otherwise, I think I shot my indoor matches and dry fired. I don't think there was any outdoor matches. And then I loaded uh, I don't know, I loaded like maybe five or ten thousand rounds or something. And then so I basically took two weeks off and then I started training again on the weekend. So I trained for I trained on the weekend. You know, continued shooting, dry firing every day. Shot Rocky Mountain 300. Continued, uh, I actually shot a match the day after Rocky Mountain 300. Continued, you know, shooting and dry firing and training last week. Shot a match on Saturday, trained on Sunday. And, like, I'll do the same thing this weekend. But, like, I don't know, I felt really good after taking a couple days off. Like, I probably shot better after just, like, taking a week and a half, two weeks off.
3: Mm-hmm. that
1: i did before i took time off like i feel like i feel like a little time off does you a lot of good especially like sometime during the season
0: it's the secret sauce man you need to it's take the that, secret
1: sauce you need to take that really, time off i think i think maybe it was i think maybe it was jason i was talking to like we were, we were chatting we we're playing video games and i think the reason you feel that way when you come back is like it's such a short amount of time like your skills don't really diminish but like mentally, you're kind of cleared out, so you're just like shooting. Mm-hmm. But you're not like thinking about it or worrying about anything. You're just shooting. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's like it's like clearing all the 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 engine codes, man. It's like you've got all these error codes from from training, right? It's like you just clear all that shit out, and all you have left over is your muscle memory and and consistency that you built up.
1: Yeah, and you just feel really recharged to shoot, like you're just really itching to go it's kinda of like when you first start shooting in the season, like when you haven't been like when you haven't been shooting for a while Like mean, it's it's kind of a nice feeling like I think uh I think I'm certainly gonna i'm gonna test that theory out at a major sometime this year
3: you should Actually, do that uh, I think Bighorn.
1: uh no, I'll probably still shoot because i th- I'm gonna try that at um uh, Probably free state because I'm out of town for like a week before that for work. So you're just gonna not shoot? Well I I can't. I'll be traveling.
2: And not dry fire?
1: Uh I'll probably take guns with me. But I won't be yes. able to like actually shoot. I just won't be in a position yeah. where I can shoot.
3: Hmm. Hmm. I don't
0: think that's a good idea, but go for it. So well, it's,
1: it's not really optional. Like kinda I have to go for work. So Well yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't really get a choice. So I just want to make an observation that's kinda like it's kinda out out of the blue. But uh we just had how old are you, Jared? Thirty. We just had a thirty year old grown man, like that just talked about like, hey yeah, I go play video games with this dude. Act like and it's like what kind of world we live in that like, that's like, just like a normal, cool thing part of conversation is like, yeah, I just go play video games like a stupid freaking nerd. I'm sorry. That's just, I just wanted to make that observation. So it, I'm probably, I everybody's think, probably shouting boomer at me right now. Um, yeah, but they are. Okay. I, I,
1: well, my favorite part that you made that, that notice was that we were on a podcast where we talk about spending a ton of money to run around the country, shooting at cardboard targets.
0: Shooting real guns, not with a little, not with a little.
1: <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. If we we're, like, that was
0: if my you, just for anybody, That was my sound effects for what I assume happens whenever <laughs> people play video games.
1: No, my controller silent. Just squeeze the button. Um, we're, we're we're spending all this money to run around all over the country shooting, and even if you became the best in the world, like, why well, you could probably make a decent living at it. Like, it, it, it pales in comparison to what, like, there's people that play video games professionally that make I know, more money than yes. any of us ever will.
0: Yes, you're making my point for me. How stupid is that, is that people make absorbent amounts of money playing video games?
1: Oh, I don't disagree that's stupid. I enjoy, like, mentally checking out and playing video games with my friends and talking.
2: Yeah, nerd. I mean, I don't. I don't really think it's stupid. I mean people make money doing a lot of weird crazy things. Uh I think it's cool that you can do that. I don't play video games. Jeff's about to
1: justify that twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, I
2: I do not play video games, but yeah, I don't I don't quite see it the way Jeremy does.
1: Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't really played video games since like college until uh, uh this winter. I wasn't shooting or anything, and a bunch of my friends were, like, talking about playing video games, so I went and bought a PlayStation one day.
0: Yeah, I just think it's weird that it has become normalized in our society that, like, grown freaking men, like, spend hours on end, like, staring at a screen playing video games. I'm just, yeah. that's just, I just think that's Dude, weird that that's normal. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: during this time of year, I probably play, like, maybe two hours of video games a week. I don't really think that's that crazy. Two hours a week? Yeah,
0: probably. Good lord! See now, Jeff's now you now you're coming around to my side of thinking, Jeff.
3: <laughs> well, no, I just really...
0: like two hours a week. I'm just trying to think of all the
2: things I could do two hours a week.
1: Exactly. Well, it's got my my hand-eye
0: coordination's improving. It's going to help push me over the top of Big Horn. <laughs> I love how gamers. Talk about how good their hand-eye coordination is because of all the games that they play. I think that is like that is one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard in my life.
2: If there is one thing, if there's one thing that gaming can do for your shooting, I think it's your splits.
0: Yeah, I could believe that. Like, especially if you put like a and and recoil management. I think you should. (laughs) You need to put whatever. I don't know what paddles you use on a on a controller, uh, but like you need to make one of like whatever your right finger is that hits the most. You need to put like at least a two and a half or three pound. Like it's got like you got to push like two and a half pounds
2: right. to actuate. Yeah, I'll put an extra power spring behind yeah, that button or something. Exactly.
1: Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I'll just I'll just tear into that controller.
2: Yeah, do it, yeah. dude. Yeah. Be easy. I've done it. I rebuilt some uh, Nintendo 64 controllers one time. The joystick. You know, they get all floppy and shit. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. This is when he, like, like all the, like, new stuff was out and he was dumpster diving and he found, like, an N64 from, like, 20 years ago. He's like, no, it's oh, no shit. Like, y'all know I was homeschooled, right? So,
2: um, that's what my parents did. It's like, everyone's, like, getting away from the N64. I think the GameCube was coming out at that time.
0: Oh, I everyone's that like one.
2: Yeah, everyone's, like, getting the GameCube, and my parents got me an N64 because they could get it, like, you know, at a pawn shop. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Dude, N64 NFL Blitz was awesome. And uh, James Bond, I mean, those were good games. But also, I was, like, 15 when I played them. Right, yeah.
2: That was the only system that I ever had since 64. You
0: keep
1: shit-talking the PlayStation, but, you know, I, I enjoy it. Good use of my time. I mean, I
2: did enjoy it growing up, like going to friend's house and playing it. It was fun. Yeah. When you were a kid. I just never, I just never had one. Yeah. I mean, I, I pulled several
1: all-nighters See,
2: at friend's house just playing video games. Like, we just never went to sleep.
1: So Jeremy, you got the wrong view. We don't grow old because we quit playing. Or we don't quit playing because we grow old. <laughs> we grow old because we quit playing. <laughs> Right there it is. That was a there that was is. a line in some movie I had to watch on the Southwest flight because they haven't updated their uh, flight movies in like six months. <laughs> so I've seen I've seen every one that's not terrible. <laughs> oh,
0: man, sorry. That like pissed. that was that was like like wait, I'm sorry I kind of got us totally off track, but I just I just thought I'd, th- I'd I'd throw that out there.
1: Are you sure there's not any yeah. kids on your lawn you can go
0: yell at?
2: Yeah, I mean, nobody's surprised that you're throwing out these these thoughts, Jeremy. Nobody's surprised.
0: No, that's fine. But I I felt it needed to be said.
2: That's Jeremy okay. doesn't have a mustache anymore. I don't know if anybody's
0: looks seen like him that.
2: since then. He's been in hibernation or something.
1: Kind of yeah, looks like much. A, what? The, what? The, yeah, like a he's just kid. he's been in
2: isolation. Freaking shaved his head, shaved his face. You been in mourning just wearing sackcloth and ashes since nationals. <laughs> yep, yeah,
3: that's
0: that's exactly what I've been doing. It Whipping is. myself on the hour every yeah. hour. Turn his be- electricity off, cut his cut his
2: internet.
1: Yep. It'll be okay, Jeremy. You're gonna shoot awesome at Bighorn. It's gonna be your best match ever. Uh I mean, maybe. I don't well, actually not. No, maybe about it. It's There's, going to be.
0: Like, I don't have any, like, disillusions about Bighorn being my best match ever. Like, I just haven't been able to put the training in. Like, work's been, I know this sounds sounds weird, but work has been just nuts uh, lately. And, like, I just, like, getting to the range has been been tough. Um, but I, I am, I am... Well, I'm just, I'm excited about the match like that. So for me, I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone for like a week. So like I'm going up there, uh, I'm going to play some golf, uh, some really cool courses up there. I'm going to shoot a match, hang out with my buddy, Bob Crow and drink some bourbon. Like he's got a wicked cool, I think I've already talked about this before, but He's got a wicked good bourbon collection. uh, So we're going to probably open some good bottles. Uh, And then I'm going to go to the mountains and go fly fishing. And the kids are staying at home. So like, I'm just going to go have a fun, a fun time um and i'm gonna try to just to do my own thing with the shooting and not really not really worry about anything outside of that uh, so we'll see how it goes
1: i know how you feel like i'm flying in gonna hang out with my buddy henning like drive out to the match with him from denver i'm gonna shoot an awesome match crush jeff's soul and then I'm gonna we're gonna drive back, gonna get lunch somewhere in the mountains. It's gonna be awesome. And then I'm gonna unfortunately have to go back to work the next day. But otherwise, the rest of it is gonna be awesome.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I haven't made my prediction for the match yet. Oh, yes. Um, I assume I'm you an- are each predicting for yourself to get a win. Of course.
1: Well, uh, hold yeah. on. Hold on. Uh, I haven't looked recently, but I'm assuming Nils is still registered for production. So I no. am
0: predicting a second place for myself. I thought I saw him shooting a CL gun on Instagram the other day. Who knows? Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, he, he is registered for production, but who knows what he'll what he'll shoot? Maybe he'll shoot that wicked cool new uh, 40 that Canet came out with. Ooh, yeah. Jeff's really excited about that gun. That has to be one of the ugliest guns ever created. Yeah. Dude, once I sell this house, I'm buying two. (laughs) Of course you are.
1: (laughs) Instead of upgrading your press, you're going to buy two guns that you don't need. Oh, I like it.
0: He wants to come shoot. No, he needs to buy. I mean, he needs to get a 40 cal so we can come shoot limited nationals.
1: Oh, he could put a dot on his pistol and shoot carry optics also.
0: That's a different time than Limited Nationals. No, they're, you're there the whole week. No, he, he's, he won't take off the whole week. He's only going to shoot one or the other. Shoot both. I'm probably not going to shoot either, but okay. I would shoot both matches if Carry Optics was after Limited. I don't want to go to a from a dot and minor to Major and Iron Sights.
1: Just shoot the dot and minor like it's got your
0: Iron Sights on it. No. I'm. What's your both. prediction, Jeremy? Uh, I am, it sounds like Jeff is pretty tuned up in match, match mode. Uh, and Jeff basically beat Sasquatch without training at all before nationals. Uh, (laughs) so I'm going to pick a clean sweep for Jeff here. I'm picking him to make it a three, you know,
2: I finally finally converted Jeremy.
1: Well. It'll probably be like you're shooting all sorts of
0: fucked up. I'm not any good. <laughs> Have I? Did I predict Sasquatch for both previous matches to this? I think so. I think I did. So I mean, you know, like <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> picking his spot on so far. Yeah, now. I'm really good at picking the winner. So uh, yeah, you should pick, you should pick Jared. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that, I mean, really, you should thank me, Jared, uh, for picking Jeff at this point. I don't
1: really care what you pick.
0: I'm still going to beat Jeff. I mean, I'd like to see it happen. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, so I'd like to see it happen. It is going to happen. Jeff's defeat is setting at, like, what, like, nine days out, ten days out, something like that? It does sound oh. like Jeff, like, kind of, like, can't handle heat. Um. Although it also sounds like Sasquatch can't handle heat either, because he has a functioning air conditioning, but it's not blowing straight on his face, and he's just like, "I need a new car."
1: I went out and trained yesterday at the hottest time of the day intentionally, just to get used to the heat. And
0: how hot was it? I
1: uh, don't oh, ninety something, like fifty, sixty percent humidity.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be like a hundred and five in Grand Junction.
1: Yeah, but there won't be any humidity.
0: It's Most feel awesome. likely not. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 105 was, in Colorado is like 95 here.
0: No, bro, dude, it's 105 at elevation.
2: Yeah, I just don't believe you. I've never okay. felt anything as bad as summer in Oklahoma. So,
0: okay. I mean, I like this, the, the the no humidity is is better. Uh, but well, the,
1: the humidity just the humidity just makes it way worse. Like
0: once it's over 90 degrees, it's just hot. It doesn't matter. But when it's humid, it just Beat you up. Uh, there's a big difference in 90 and 105.
2: It just makes All it right. hard to breathe, right? Like it makes
0: your chest heavy. At elevation or humidity? No, the humidity. I mean, I, you could probably say that about both. Uh, really? Have you ever been to the mountains? Yeah, it's been a while, but I've
1: been there. I oh, don't, I oh! Don't How high is Grand Jackson? Was it like 5,000 feet? Uh, I don't actually know. I mean, it's. I don't actually know. Because personally, I don't know as much difference at like five, six, seven thousand 7,000 feet, but like once you start getting to like 8 or 9,000 feet, like you fucking feel it. Yeah, you're not a, you're not at 9,000. Hmm. Well, I am getting
2: outside as much as I can. I mean, it's it's hot here this week. It's mid 90s, high 90s. And uh so yeah, I'm getting outside several times a day. Just trying to get used to it. Driving around through. with Drive around without the air conditioner on. Stay climatized. I used to do that at my old job. Instead of like cooling off between drives, driving to the next location. Because it will wear you out, like switching temperatures all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't turn the air conditioner on. Just
0: drive. Just stay sweaty. Yeah. it's
2: time to beat your ass, Jared.
0: No. I feel like Jared, like Jared feels like he's rocky in, what is it, Rocky two. When he's like in Russia and like, because he has, he has air conditioned seats and air conditioning, but it's from his uh, defroster, but it's basically the same. And the four vents. And the four vents. Oh, the four vents work too? So basically it's like training in Rocky too, like worst condition. Dude, I freaking, I freaking love it. When when Jeremy
2: talks about Rocky and gets the episode, gets the freaking number <laughs> wrong, the wrong every one? single
1: every single <laughs> time. Yeah. You just described Rocky Three, but that's okay.
0: Oh, it's Rocky Three. I, I I mean, it was the one with the Russian.
1: If he dies, he <laughs> dies. That's how I feel about Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like. I don't have anything to say about that other than like I'm not a huge rock. Like I like the Rocky movies, but it's not like I I don't like. Watch them all the time. It's been I'm not a huge Rocky fan, but I just bring it up on the podcast all the time. (laughs) It seems relevant, so I bring it up.
3: (laughs) It'll it'll be a good match. I freaking
0: love it. I freaking love it. I'm sure Jeff will bring good competition, just not enough.
2: Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. How do y'all think y'all didn't predict my finish?
1: Uh you're (laughs) gonna shoot I already said you're gonna shoot your best match ever.
0: Who's who are you shooting against? I don't totally know, uh, but Bob Crow, Charlie Perez, uh, um, what's that? Uh, uh, Gianni. Yeah, Gianni Giovanni. Um, I don't know if like Chris Culpepper. I assume he's going to be there. He's he's based out of Colorado. Um, there should be some pretty good limited heat there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you third place. I'd I'd be fine with that,
2: dude. We, I don't. I don't even know. Like, you are all over the place the last two years, man. I don't even know
0: where to put you. Just shoot the targets. Should it should it be based more on how many uh, penalties I have?
1: Yeah, I'll, we go with that. Uh, I'll take one. One penalty. You're going to give Jeremy one
2: penalty. Hey, the last yes. time I shot this match, I was penalty free. Penalty free. And you said last time you shot this match, it was like freaking best match of your life, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. And I will say like this, like probably every uh, half the targets are partial here would be my guess. I haven't seen stages for this year, but that's how it was last time. And it should be probably pretty close to the same.
3: Yeah.
1: You're going to have one penalty. You're going to shoot awesome. You're going to get third place.
2: I'm not gonna predict your penalties. i yeah. I'm just not gonna try to do that. <laughs> try to do that. Um, I'm gonna give you. So we got Crow, we got Perez,
0: Gianni, and apparently some other heat. Right? I think there will be a, a yeah. I think that I don't think that's all the the limited heat.
2: You got some pressure off your chest. You've kind of like reevaluated life and the meaning of it. Maybe got rid of some of that baggage.
0: I had lots uh, of namaste days. I, I kind of I got into yoga since nationals. Yeah. So sackcloth okay. and ashes and yoga. That's good. Not like you the not it. like the the girl in yoga pants type yoga, but like the yoga like sitting around and humming. Oh. So like meditation. Yeah. Right. Don't they same do that in Rocky sometimes? Same thing as yoga for sure. Yeah, the same sure. thing as yoga, right?
2: <laughs> ah, man. This is toughy. That's a toughie. Those are some good shooters.
0: Jeff, and if- Jeff knows what he wants to say, but he does he's afraid he's gonna break my confidence. Just say it, Jeff. I just don't know who else is gonna be there. Like if there's like one
2: or two more solid, solid dudes. Yeah, I just don't know who else is going to be there. I'm, I'm going to give you fourth place. No, okay. no, fifth place. I'm going to give you fifth place. All right,
0: <laughs> that's fine. I'm good with that.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give Jeremy fifth place at uh, the what's this match called? Bighorn Bighorn, Bighorn Classic. Yeah. yeah. Mhm. Oh, and for for Jared, I really don't know who even shooting production. I. I from what I had seen it was just like me, Jared and and Nils for
1: Oh for I still think part. that's a fair thing. I think you should say it's Nils and then me and you.
2: Well, I just meant for like a top top three, top five. But I don't <laughs> know who uh I don't know who else is gonna be there.
1: Yeah, there there's I'm sure there's somebody else that's good there. There I mean yeah. right, there almost always is.
2: Yeah, so Mm, I'm going to give Jared like a fourth place overall production.
1: Damn, you're going to pick yourself for fifth?
2: <laughs> uh, no. Well, see, I don't know who else is going to be there. If there's like Super Squad guys level there, yeah, I just don't know. These are terrible predictions. I'm going to be Jared. That's the only thing I'm going to predict in production.
1: You should probably pick something that you can actually do. Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> Past performance does not mean it'll be future
0: performance. No. No, it doesn't. But he does have a winning streak. I'm on a winning winning streak. streaks
1: are made to be broken.
0: I
2: haven't lost to anybody on this podcast in a while.
1: That's going to go make it even sweeter when I beat you.
2: That is. That's is, that is so true, dude. If you are the one that breaks the streak,
1: man. I plan to crush like you, Jeff.
2: The Sasquatch of Sasquatches.
1: I plan to crush you, Jeff.
2: That's good. It's good to have a plan. All
1: right. I think this is a good spot to cut it off, boys.
2: All Um, If you got any questions that you'd like to write in, again, you know, this is not really an informational podcast. I want to reiterate this. Um, but if you have something that you feel like someone on here is qualified to answer, do not hesitate to write in. However. We do just like to get on here and talk about random shit, so that's what we do. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely a more entertainment focused podcast than informational,
0: but there is information here. I think. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I think some people have gotten some. I mean, people we've gotten responses from people that have said they've that somebody said something smart on this podcast before. Yeah. Who did yeah, no Who? doubt. Who said something smart? Yeah. It wasn't Jared. I know. It wasn't no. you.
1: It wasn't <laughs> Jeff. Did we have, well, we had some guests on. They probably said yep. something smart.
0: We, yeah, Travis yeah. Tomasi was pretty smart. Travis said lots of smart yeah.
1: things. Henning said lots of smart things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So also... I mean, don't... Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, don't, don't hesitate to write in questions. But if you don't, it's okay. Because... We just talk shit.
0: We also are going to have a future podcast on. I'm springing this on the guys, but that's fine. On popper yeah. calibration. Uh, so, if you have ideas on what you think should happen with popper calibration, send it to us. We've had we've had a couple of people already send us like some really lengthy stuff. Um, and if you do send it to us, we may not respond to that because like it's really hard to like type that out and respond. But if you have ideas for it, uh, send it to us and we will have a podcast where we discuss it. If you think it should stay the same, if you've got ideas, to change it, uh, eliminate it or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Send that to us because um, that actually seems to be one of the more biggest hot bu- hot button topics uh, going right now. And I don't think we have discussed it at all, really. Not like in depth. We haven't.
2: Right. Well, it's because we, we finally got someone that like... Potentially, potentially. Okay, lost a, a national championship because of it. So, so now it's like a hot topic, right?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you you need something like that to happen. That's that's how change. That's how change can get made. Um, right? Because
2: it it's been an issue. It
0: right. has been an issue. Correct. But
2: but but now people are seeing how how it's an issue.
0: Yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All
0: right. Namaste. Don't play video games and get your Rocky movies right.
2: Do your meditation just like in Rocky 1.
1: Stop recording, damn it.